Welcome to Feathers in My Hair, an Emotionally Broken Psycho's Patreon exclusive. Join me for the ultimate Team Mom deep dive. This is more than just a recap show. I'll scour the internet to bring you all the best drama that MTV didn't air. From police reports to deleted tweets, I've got the details on all the fights, breakups, and arrests of our favorite MTV train wrecks. If you think the moms bring the drama on TV, just wait until you hear what really happened. I'm your host, Liz Bentley. Hi, everyone. How are you? I hope you're well. I am better-ish this week. My back doesn't hurt nearly as much. I actually had a massage today at the chiropractor's office, which was lovely. And then I took a nap. And let me tell you, nothing feels quite as bad as waking up from a nap, like (laughs) post-massage. I feel like someone had punched me. But besides that, I'm feeling okay-ish. I just, you know, I have lower back issues. It is what it is. Anyway, not that much is going on. I guess there's Janelle stuff. I can't remember what I, what happened last week and what happened this week. Was the restraining order this week? I guess the restraining order was this week. Um, last week we were still in full speculation mode, right? This week Janelle got a restraining order and it was granted. Guys, sorry if this actually happened last week and I'm repeating myself, but I can't remember. But there is a restraining order. It has been granted. David is not allowed to contact Janelle or Ensley or any of her kids, I'm guessing. I'm actually not 100% sure, but I would imagine she put all the kids in the restraining order. Um, It is a temporary restraining order. So usually, at least in Pennsylvania, and I think from what I've been reading, it's similar in North Carolina, um, Janelle, or what basically what happens is you go by yourself in front of a judge. It's called ex parte. So you're going by yourself. Um, the other person that you're getting the restraining order against isn't there, basically. I mean, you could have a lawyer, but usually I've never seen a lawyer, um, go with a client to get a restraining order, but I'm sure that it happens. But ex parte just means like the other party isn't there. So you go in front of the judge and basically, at least in Pennsylvania, you like write out a statement and Janelle did that. And in her statement, it said like, I don't know, she had a bunch of texts. She said she was fearful for her life because of his guns, of course. And she wrote that he had sent her text saying that he was going, that she was cheating on him and he was going to like serve the guy's head on a platter to her, (laughs) which I don't mean to laugh. It's like disturbing, but it's just wild. It's just like, huh? (laughs) It's just crazy. So that happened. Uh, David was served with the restraining order. So a lot of people have come around to believe that this is true. Um, People were very much not, not my listeners so much, but just like people in the fandom were very, very heavy. This is fake. This is fake. This is fake. This is fake. But now it seems like a lot more people have come around to believing that it's true because of the restraining order. It's just a temporary restraining order. Basically, what happens is you get the restraining order, it's granted, and then, at least in Pennsylvania, the sheriff's office then serves the restraining order to the person. It's not really in effect until the person has been served, and then you get a permanent date set for a hearing, which, at least in Pennsylvania, is usually within 10 days. Um, I think theirs was like two weeks. So, 
I think what's going to happen is Janelle is going to be able to get a permanent restraining order. I think that they're, I'm sure she, <laughs> I'm sure she has tons and tons and tons of evidence. Uh, I wouldn't be surprised if David gets an attorney and they just agree to a restraining order. That often happens. And basically they'll agree, like they'll only be in communication with the child. We will see. But I do not think she will be able to get Ensley covered under the restraining order. I talked about this. I remember when Macy got that restraining order against Ryan and included Bentley. And I said, there's no way she's going to be able to get Bentley included. The fact is, um, well, I guess the Macy situation was a little different because that was just like such a one-time thing that Ryan did, even though it was so wrong. The restraining order Macy got like definitely made sense. I understand why she got it. I understand why it was granted. But it really had nothing to do with Bentley, so it was, like, very easy uh, for me to know that Bentley would not be included in that. But in the restraining order, uh, Janelle wrote some stuff about, like, the way that he's treated Kaiser. Uh, She might have information on how he treats Ensley. So it is possible that she gets a restraining order on Ensley, although I feel that it will be unlikely. The reason being that... um, the restraining order judges don't like to interfere with custody. They don't like to be the custody deciders, basically. They don't like when they when people use the restraining order courts, like, in their custody disputes. And that's not what Chanel is doing, clearly. But it is a thing that happens. And restraining order judges, at least in my experience, are pretty hesitant to include a child Uh, Like, she'll probably be able to get one for her, Jace, and Kaiser uh, because they're not David's children, but restraining order judges are very unlikely to grant restraining orders that include uh, the defendant's biological children because it's just messy. They would rather a family court judge that's doing their custody deal with it. Um, So, yeah. But, you know, Janelle could have something that shows that David mistreated uh, the kids. Like, if she gets up there and talks about David beating the shit out of Kaiser in the CPS case and possibly Ensley, then, you know, maybe she will be able to get it to include Ensley. I just don't think that's going to happen. I assume at the hearing, the permanent restraining order hearing, oh, he's not going to agree to one, though. Well, uh, mm, okay, I don't know, because in Pennsylvania, you can agree to a... Uh, like, basically, it's not a protection from abuse order. You, like, mutually agree to not contact one another. It's like a, like a civil no contact order. It's different than a PFA. And the reason people agree to them is because it's like, well, I don't care to fight this. Um, I don't want a PFA on my record, even though it is a civil issue, not a criminal issue. Um, and I don't know if they take your guns for that. So, a big topic is that if David has a PFA granted against him, they'll, excuse me, sorry, I guess they call them restraining orders in North Carolina. A PFA is a protection from abuse order. We use PFA a lot on this podcast because that's what Kale would always get, PFAs, because she lived in Pennsylvania. I guess Delaware calls them PFAs. Um, I think in New- North Carolina, they call them uh, like ROs or right now, uh, Janelle has like a TRO, like a temporary restraining order. I know in New Jersey, they call them something different, I think. Uh, But I just call them PFAs because that's what they were called when I worked in victims advocacy and help people get PFAs. So that's what I'm saying when I say PFA. So at least in Pennsylvania, when you 
get a PFA against you, like, you can't have guns. Like, the sheriff's office comes to your house and takes your guns. Now, I don't know if this is true because in North Carolina, if that holds up, I would have to do some research because um, David did have the temporary or the long term restraining order against him with his ex girlfriend Olivia and his son Caden. Because remember, he violated that, eventually was dropped, and that's how he was able to start getting cuss or like visitations with Caden. But I'm wondering when David started getting so many guns, if maybe he didn't have any guns while the restraining order was in place. I honestly don't know because I've been thinking this whole time, like, well, if Dave, if Janelle is able to get the restraining order, then he's going to lose his guns. But that might not be the case. I'm curious. And I wonder if David will be able to agree to a no contact order that doesn't include uh, surrendering his uh, militia-worthy level of weapons that he has stocked at the land. Hmm. If you know anything about specifically North Carolina restraining orders, let me know, because I am curious about that. Uh, there's also been talk that Janelle is in Tennessee so that she can establish residency in Tennessee and um, get a divorce in six months as opposed to basically in Tennessee, it takes six months to establish residency and then she could file for a divorce there. So she wouldn't have to wait the full year, which I mean, maybe like maybe she's doing that. I don't know. I don't know. Maybe, but I don't know. Uh, she saw Nate this weekend. Nate went to pick up Kaiser and somebody, they were at a bowling alley and somebody snapped a picture of Nate, Janelle and the bowling alley employee and then immediately sold it to TMZ. Uh, the Ashley is saying that Janelle is in hiding. I'm not so sure she's in hiding. I'm not so sure how true that is. Um, it might be a it might be a over exaggerated phrase for what's happening. I think there's a good chance that David knows what town they're in, but doesn't know you know exactly where they're staying. There's a chance that he actually does know exactly where they're staying. There's a chance that he has no clue. Uh, a lot of this is speculation. The Ashley also just released an article that said that MTV absolutely isn't filming her yet. Janelle is, like, sending them pictures of her, Barb, and Nate getting along and being like, you should film this. But supposedly MTV is having a hard time, like, even getting a crew together that would be willing, willing to film with her, which... I would believe that they would have a hard time finding a crew. I know if I was a crew member, I wouldn't want to be anywhere near Janelle. It's just too risky with David. David is too much of a serial killer that will come and mass shoot, like, the whole production team. And I wouldn't want to be anywhere near them. But also, like, that's just what the Ashley's saying. Like, maybe she really is filming. Maybe MTV really does have a plan. I just find it hard to believe that she left without major MTV resources and without a major MTV plan. I saw someone on Reddit suggest she may be in a shelter in Tennessee, and I find that almost impossible to believe. Um, I think that Janelle would go to Barbara's before that she went to a shelter. I think Janelle is pretty broke, but probably has enough to get an Airbnb in Tennessee. I just, I don't. I don't believe that she would go to a shelter. Living in a shelter is pretty hard. Um, I know it's different, but, like, I lived in a sober living home, which had a lot of people in it and a lot of roommates after I'd been living alone for a long time, and that shit's an adjustment. And I truly cannot 
cannot wrap my head around the idea of Janelle being in a domestic violence shelter. So we will see. Uh, we'll see what's going on with Janelle. I think that, I don't know. Is Janelle scared of David? <sighs> yes. I think everything Janelle wrote in that um, order, in her petition for a restraining order, was true. Like, I don't think she's lying. But do I think Janelle is, like, actively fearful of David? I think that Janelle is so mentally unwell and so toxic and so codependent and so addicted to drama that her sense of danger and being scared is different than mine is. Um, I think that Janelle wants David to be provoked, possibly, and wants to bait David into a response. Oh, that's another thing. David has basically gone completely silent in regards to Janelle. Uh, he really isn't posting anything about her. He seems to be totally following the restraining order. And I think it was a really good idea for Janelle to get it, especially because that would mean if he posted anything about her online, he would face repercussions, posted any pictures of her, any videos, you know, she would be able to immediately go to the police. So I think her, I mean, I think her getting the restraining order was the best thing that she could do. Uh, but I, like, there was, I don't know how I got here, but there was talk on Reddit today, like, is Janelle afraid of David? And I think that we are using our rational, logical brains to be like, yeah, of course she's afraid of David, or like, fuck Janelle, she's not afraid of him. But I think it's, like, much more complicated than that. Um, Janelle is a person that likes to push buttons. Janelle is a person that's addicted to chaos. Janelle is a person that's addicted to drama. Janelle is a person that acts extremely impulsively without caring at all about consequences. And I wouldn't be surprised if she isn't necessarily afraid of him, isn't necessarily in hiding, but does want to leave him and does understand that he's like a violent person that could hurt her. I just think a lot of times, and I've talked about this extensively on this podcast, a lot of times we want to use our regular brains to get into Janelle's mindset and our regular brains cannot, uh, cannot produce the same results as a brain that lives on the universe of Janelle. Because the universe of Janelle just has a, a frame of reference and a perspective that is so alien to the rest of us. Okay, so the other thing that happened this week was Amber has filed, well, her lawyers have filed a contempt of court motion against Andrew, saying that Andrew is not sticking to the custody agreement, which is that he has to allow Amber to have three unsupervised visits a week and communicate via the Family Wizard app. Fuck, I just remembered like two weeks ago, Princess asked me to research the Family Wizard app and... I didn't. I'm going to be honest. <laughs> Sorry, princess. If you've used the Family Wizard app, uh, leave a comment on Instagram when I post about this episode. And then we can all learn about it from your comment. But basically, Andrew then talked to In Touch and said that the reason he hasn't set up the Family Wizard app is because it's a garbage site. People on Reddit confirmed it's like an absolute garbage site. Somebody said that they looked up reviews for the Family Wizard app and the communication app and that a lot of the reviews are like, it's impossible to set up an account. It's garbage. <laughs> so maybe Andrew's telling the truth. He also claims that the reason that they haven't done visitation is because they have not decided on a mediator yet because they're supposed to basically have a neutral mediator to do the drop-off since they're not allowed to see or speak to each other. I tend to believe Andrew 
Although I, according to Amber's lawyers, his lawyers haven't responded at all to any of their communications. So I wonder what's going on there. I wonder why his lawyers aren't, basically I wonder why the lawyers aren't facilitating the visitations if the app isn't working well. Oh, also, they said he violated their custody agreement when he or had a family member release his victim's impact statement on Without a Crystal Ball YouTube. Now, that's probably true. (laughs) If their custody agreement, which was in order, I believe, a full week before they went to court for her uh, pleading guilty, when he read that victim's impact statement... um, if that is what it says, then he cannot be releasing these statements without a crystal ball YouTube, whether it be through him or one of his relatives. Um, just because he might not be the one sending it does not mean that the family court is going to be happy with him. Um, I've seen a lot of people kind of start to turn on Andrew because of this. I mean, I hope that I've been clear that I've never been a big Andrew fan. <laughs> like, I think that I spoke a lot about his creepy, shady, violent past behavior with the stalking and the restraining orders. I fully believe that he is the victim in the Amber relationship. However, and I'm not, like, turning on him now because I don't think I've ever been, like, solidly 100% on Andrew's side. I think he's, he's, like, some great, upstanding, awesome person, but... My thoughts and feelings are like, Andrew, don't violate the fucking custody order. Like, Andrew got a pretty cushy custody order. Uh, He only has to do three unsupervised visits a week. They're not continuous. Neither of them have jobs. So, like, they've got all the time in the world to have these midday visits on Monday, Wednesday, Friday. Um, He has full custody. I think he gets to travel with the baby. Like, it seems pretty easy not to... Um, violate this custody order, and he needs to do better with that. Um, I think that he absolutely needs to stop talking to Without a Crystal Ball and giving her, uh, oh my god, I need to turn off, my TV is like on the screensaver mode, and it keeps flashing through, like I guess a documentary about that woman that's really ugly. (laughs) Do you know who I'm talking about that everyone calls brave for being like ugly and being in public? And it's really, this poster for it is making me laugh every time. Not because she's ugly. It's just, it's like brave, amazing, awesome. Which it's like, okay. Sorry, that was off topic. But yeah, I think that Andrew is a weirdo. I think we've all always known he's a weirdo. I think Amber is the abuser in their relationship though. And I think that Andrew needs to make sure that he's sticking to the custody order. Because Amber has money and every time... He doesn't stick to the custody order. They're going to violate or they're going to file uh, a contempt of court motion. I think it's a little crazy that she's already back in court like two weeks after the fucking order was set up. I think that they are being very aggressive for somebody that does not seem interested in parenting her child. (laughs) I also am curious about what's going to happen with the house uh, because she owns that house, right? Does she rent? Did she rent to own that house? Does she rent that house? I have to double check that. But he's living in the house, which happened because of the restraining order. He was granted permission to live in the house. She's apparently living in Airbnb, I guess, because she didn't want to sign a lease if she didn't know what was going on with the house that she owns, question mark, owns. Um, I guess Andrew's going to have to get a spot. 
And apparently Andrew's filming with MTV. He started filming this week. Now we know Andrew's still under contract. So I wonder if they are holding him to contract. Although, like, will they make someone absolutely film if they're under contract? I don't I don't know. Um, do I think it's a good idea that Andrew is filming? Probably not. Do I think, do I understand why? Yeah. Especially after that Dr. Drew special where they let Amber kind of carte blanche, tell her story, claim her innocence, say it's all bullshit, then I think the victim should also be given a platform to be like, this all happened, it was real, look, the bitch pled guilty, and she wouldn't plead guilty if nothing ever happened. Um, yeah, I'm also curious about how they're going to manage not speaking ill about each other while being on a fucking reality TV show that involves, like, a main premise of the reality TV show is speaking ill. (laughs) So, yeah, we will see how that goes, and let's recap Teen Mom 2. Here's the deal, I didn't take notes on Teen Mom Young and Pregnant this week because... Life just got away from me, you know? I just, like, didn't have the time to take notes on it. I did watch it, so I will just, like, briefly, briefly talk about it. Sorry, guys, but I am going to recap Team Mom 2 right after a quick break. Looking at my notes and realizing it was actually quite a light week not to take notes on Team Mom Young and Pregnant as well, because I don't have that many notes for Teen Mom 2. Well, you know, life, man, life. Anyway, let's start with Brie. So she hasn't talked to John at all since she got back from New York. <sighs> Brie and John, like, I just, I don't think I've ever understood it from the beginning. It's obvious that John likes Brie. Has I, has Brie liked John this whole time? Like, I don't really understand why she was dating him in the first place. I don't really understand what she got from the relationship. As I discussed last week, she kind of, like, seemed to hate him while she was in New York. I think that, like, after she got those uh, Instagram messages about John getting another girl pregnant, I think that was kind of the end for Brie. I think she should have ended it with him then. Um, Not even because it was necessarily real, But the fact that she just has, like, such... It's obvious that she doesn't trust him, right? Like, I think that she has a mistrust for John in a way that will just... Like, they'll just never work because of it. And obviously, they'll never work because they broke up. But I think for her, that was, like, a turning point where she realized, like, she really didn't trust John. I think also that Brie's in a point in her life where she can't date long distance because... I think the way that Brie wants to date is to, like, have a casual thing for a little bit, get to know each other pretty slowly, pretty casually, keep the kids very far away, then, like, slowly introduce the kids, slowly become more serious, and then eventually have a future together. And I think she was trying to do that with John, but the reality is, is, like, you can't really do that in a long-distance relationship. Like, you can't casually date someone in a long-distance relationship. I mean, I'm sure you possibly could, but it's pretty hard because you have to be in almost constant contact. You know, like, you have to have, like, a really regular amount of time that you talk or in communication, and then you have to put a lot of effort into seeing each other. And I'm not talking about, like, if you're living an hour or two away, but, like, For Brie and John, they have to pay for flights, they have to go to the airport, fly, 
stay there for multiple days. You can't just come for a night or two. Like, it's a big event for them to see each other. So, like, basically what happens in these types of relationships is that you get really serious really fast because you're talking all the time. You're in constant communication. When you see each other, it's like you're fucking so in love and obsessed with each other. And you're so serious and you're talking about a future and planning. And I just don't think it's possible for most people to casually date in a long distance relationship like Brie and John have. So I think for Brie, it was just never going to work out the way that she wanted it to work. Like I, at least like how I envision Brie is that she like meets a guy, maybe they casually date for like two or three months And then maybe around, like, month four, she starts bringing him around the family. Then by month eight, it's like, oh, this is not my friend. He's actually my boyfriend. And then within, and then a year, they're, like, talking about moving in together. And I don't know how she thought she was going to progress from, like, casually long-distance relationship dating John. Then he, like, sees the kids every once in a while. And then he's, like, moving to Florida and they're moving in together. I don't know. It just was. It was never going to be it, and I think Brie never really trusted him. I think Brie has a hard time trusting people in general, which I can't really blame her, but at the same time, like, if you don't have trust in a long-distance relationship, you have nothing, and I really do think that after she got those messages, and when, remember, she was, like, talking to Shirley about it, and Shirley was like, well, you either trust them or you don't, and I think the answer is very obvious that she didn't, and I think that when she went to New York, like, she was already kind of done. Um, which is a shame because I think John seems like a nice and good guy and apparently was ready to commit to moving to Florida and, like, make a commitment and Brie just didn't see it for him. I did like what Roxanne said about, like, long-distance relationships can really be a letdown because you, like, you start seeing him more and then you realize the more time you spend with him, like, you don't like him. Not don't like him, but I think that's definitely true. Like, if you are with someone and you talk all the time and then, like, when you're together for a weekend, like, you just have sex all weekend, like, you eat dinner in bed and you're naked the whole time and just having, like, the best fucking time of your life and you're – it's a fantasy. Like, you're not integrated into each other's lives. And a lot of times when you then integrate into each other's lives, you realize, like, oh, I don't like the way that this person does this. Like, it's – Even more than just, like, living with someone, when you are used to only spending vacation time with someone, then you have to spend real life time with them, that can be hard. And maybe that's also something that happened with Brie and John. She started seeing him a little more and realized that she didn't like him. But we're on to important things, like Brie is opening up her beauty salon, which is going to do microblading, and she advertises teeth cleaning on Instagram, which, like, or teeth whitening, (laughs) Which to me, I don't know, call me old-fashioned, but I would probably only go to someone that went to dental school to get anything involving my teeth. (laughs) You only get one set for your entire life. Well, I guess two sets. Yeah, you do get two sets because you get your baby teeth and your grown-up teeth. But once you have your grown-up teeth in, like, you can't get new teeth. (laughs) Implants are hella expensive. Like, one of my friends just um, had a lot of damage from drug abuse, and so she got a full set of dental implants, and those things were, like, 30 fucking thousand dollars. Like, her teeth were so expensive. They look great. I think they look amazing. I think she feels a little weird about them because they have changed her face a little bit, but I think they look really good. 
but it's hard like don't so yeah don't go see brie to get your teeth whitened just don't do that if you really want to get your teeth whitened and you don't want to go to the dentist just go buy some crest white strips <laughs> but don't go to brie she said she's opening up with a friend which made me pause i think that's a bad idea um I'm curious who this friend is, but I think that Brie should be doing this on her own and then hiring somebody. I think it's a bad idea to have a business partner for her because I just don't see how she'll ever like evenly be in business with someone that's not also like that doesn't have a platform like Teen Mom. I think that they're just like any of these moms, any of these women on this show, I always want to call them girls, but they're not girls, but let's not get into that discussion. But any of the women on this show, like, are never going to be, what's it religious people call it? Being equally yoked, which to me is a really funny term, yoked. I don't know what that really means. I mean, I know what it means in the context, but basically it's like you're with a person that has the same amount of religion as you do, like Christianity as you do, being equally yoked, like you believe in God at the same amount, you want to live your lives similarly based on similar values, you have the same values and morals all together. Um, But I think that Brie and any friends and any of these girls on the show are never really going to be equal with most of the people that they meet because they aren't living in LA, they're not meeting other famous people, and there's just always going to be a weird power dynamic. So I feel a little like, mm, about Brie going into business with someone. Uh, they also talk about moving and where they want to move. I noticed Brie and Brittany were talking about it with Stella, and I am very excited to see more about their new house. I really want to know if it's a three or four bedroom townhouse. They should be moving in soon. So I hope that they got a four-bedroom. I think it would be kind of a shame if they went to another three-bedroom from where they are now. But we shall see. I looked at the floor plan <laughs> online because somebody posted on Reddit who the builder was. So I looked up, you know, where she was living and they did have four-bedroom units. So it's possible in her four-bedroom. It's possible they're in a three-bedroom. I don't know. Anyway, it's Nova's first day of school, and they say that Devon is only called twice since the pool incident, which is, it's not good. And this is what I mean, like, they, Bree's, like, he doesn't call her iPad, so she does have a way to, like, FaceTime with him and talk to him, and Devon just, like, doesn't put in the effort, which is such a shame, but he, Bree goes to work and Devon comes over the night before, and they didn't tell Nova, so she opened the door and was just, like, over the moon, jumping up and down. So happy to see your dad. He came over with American uh, Girl stuff. He, uh, Stella, like, ran right up to him. It was so cute. By the way, someone I followed on Instagram was at the American Girl doll store today. It's not right, like, how jealous I am whenever I see a child going to the American Girl doll store. Like, I feel such an insane amount of jealousy. I fucking loved American Girl so much. I had Samantha. Julia had um, Kirsten and then her mom sent her in and it got she got Felicity. <laughs> right, Jules? You had Kirsten first, then Felicity? Because Fel- Felicity wasn't out when you got Kirsten. Um, once my Samantha's head fell off and she came back from the doll hospital with be- a beautiful new head. Her hair was perfect. She had on a gown, a little uh, bracelet, and she had a little balloon. It was the best. I was, Julie and I were fucking obsessed with American Girl. I had a wheelchair for mine. I had so much. She had a violin. Um, I, that American Girl 
catalog was like fucking crack for me. My mom worked with this woman, I think her name was Rose, and she had a granddaughter that really liked American Girl. And so she looked at a catalog and saw how expensive all the clothes were and was like, yeah, that's insane. So she started making American Girl clothes. My mom would buy all of these clothes from Rose at work. So I had so many outfits for her. Um, eventually I cut Samantha's hair and then, I don't know, eventually she was like thrown out because I'm a monster and I didn't have any uh, sense of value. I remember my mom was mad that I cut Samantha's hair because she's like, that might be valuable one day. And I was like, I don't care. And then eventually I think I just got rid of her. Maybe she went to somebody's, one of my mom's friend's kids. I'm not sure what happened to Samantha, which is a shame because now American Girls are no longer made by um, the brand that made them in Germany. Once Mattel bought them, they like are plastic and they're not handmade and they're not as nearly as beautiful as they were. But I just loved American Girl so fucking much. I believe at the time the only American Girl store was in Chicago because, uh, Julia, correct me if I'm wrong, send me a text. There is zero way if there was an American Girl store in New York that my mom would not have taken Julia and I to the American Girl doll store. <laughs> we used to go to, my mom and I used to take like regular trips to New York and especially when I was older, we would just go shopping and we'd have girl days and we'd go to Canal Street and buy fake purses, which is crazy. By the way, I bought a fake Celine bag today on AliExpress, not because I want it to look like Celine. I just like the way the purse looked. I'm looking for a new tote bag. Um, and I saw it on this like Reddit about uh, replicas and they post links, which I'm going to have to unsubscribe to because everyone there's a shopping addict and it's not going to be a good influence on me. But I did want a new fake leather bag. So that's what I got. But my mom would have absolutely taken us to the American Girl doll store if there was one in New York. We would have had a whole fucking day because we used to, and we used to go when we were little to see the Rockettes. Like we went multiple times to see the Rockettes. So there's no way we wouldn't have done the Rockettes and the American Girl store. How did I get here? Oh, Devon. But anyway, I loved American Girl so much. I always wanted to go to the store in Chicago so bad. I loved the catalog. I loved the, like, I really wanted one of those, like, My American Girls, you know, once they came out with the ones that looked like you. Although, like, I'm kind of basic looking with brown hair and brown eyes. So Samantha, like, did look like me. I mean, she didn't look like me. But I, there's no way a doll would have looked more like me than Samantha because you just get it based on, like, your skin tone and eyes and hair, right? But now I've been talking about American Girl for, like, 10 minutes. But you know what? I love to talk about American Girl. But, yeah, I feel an insane amount of jealousy when I see people on my Instagram take their kids there. It's, like, not right. It's unwell how I feel about it and why. I don't think I actually even – no, that's not true. I do want to go. I guess I need to go to New York and go to the store, just, like, walk through and look at the things in there. Like, she posted, like, she posted a picture in front of, like, the Hanukkah set, and I was like, oh, God, that's so beautiful. When I was in 12th grade, I babysat for this really rich family, and they had these twin daughters, Jillian and Olivia. They were six. They were in kindergarten. They were so cute, and I would, like, pick them up from the bus stop, and we would go home and do their homework, and I would stay till, like, seven o'clock. I would go five times a week, I think. I think. Yeah. Um, and for Christmas that year, they each got an American Girl doll and they got thousands of dollars worth of American Girl stuff. They got a whole, like the, they got a fucking carrot, like a horse-drawn carriage. It was so beautiful. Uh, it was, 
all so beautiful and they could not care less about these dolls. And I'd be like, let's play with the American Girl dolls. And they were like, we don't want to. And I was like, but they're so beautiful. (laughs) Anyway, I'm psychotic. And when I'm old and rich, maybe I'll collect dolls. I No, I don't care about any other dolls except for this one thing. Okay, I've been talking about this too long. Anyway, Devon comes over. It's super, super duper cute. And then he goes with them to school the next day. Um, the whole family goes. It's nice. And Stella is becoming my favorite teen mom baby. Like, I think I'm fully on team Stella just being so fucking cute all the time. So, yeah, that's it for Brie. I will be interested to see Brie and John break up. She said, like, she, they haven't talked at all since she got back from New York. And I was like, what? like, how are you not texting? I don't know. Okay, so Kale bought her house. I'm a little confused about this house. Are you guys a little confused about this house? She waited weeks to find out about her offer. I have never heard of anybody waiting weeks. Like, yeah, it may take a while for... Um, you to like come to a final offer, like if there's a bidding war or somebody else gets it and then that falls through, so you have another chance to make another offer, etc. But I personally have never heard of like offers. She's supposedly been waiting weeks and weeks to hear back, and then she gets a call from her friend Kristen who tells her she bought the house. And I just figured Kristen was her realtor, and for whatever reason, they just weren't giving her the realtor Chiron. At the bottom, Chiron, Chiron, Chiron. They weren't giving her the realtor Chiron at the bottom and calling her just Kale's friend for whatever reason. But then when Kale actually closes on the house, um, she's like, it's, uh, she says this is the realtor. And she introduces Kristen to the realtor. So I'm like, who the fuck called Kale? Why would Kristen, I don't know, it doesn't make any sense. Did you guys notice that? Or did I only notice that? I'm a little confused. But Kale got the house. She's so thrilled. It's a big, beautiful McMansion. It's 30 minutes away. At one point, she drives to the house and is like, I'm already tired of making this drive. And I'm like, bitch, you're going to be making that drive four times a day <laughs> when your kids are at school. There and back, there and back. Like, And she's like, well, some days I'll just like stay in Dover and do errands and go to the gym. And I'm like, for eight hours? <laughs> You're gonna drop those kids off at 8 a.m. and stay until three? Like, that's not eight hours, but whatever. Like, it just, I don't know. This move still seems kind of crazy to me that she would move so far from the kids' schools. It just, it, it's a lot. Especially, like, once they start doing sports and you're going, I mean, they already do sports, but I mean, like, school sports and you're going for sports and they have practice and just seems like a real nightmare to me. They're going to be 30 minutes away from their friends. I don't know. It's far. 30 minutes is far. As somebody that went to middle schools that were, um, how far away was it? So my first middle school that I went to in sixth and seventh grade was only like 15 minutes from my house, but a lot of my friends lived even further. And then my school I went to in eighth and ninth grade was, mm, how far away was Woodland? Probably 25 minutes from my house. Um, I actually used to take the train home for my second school after sports. And my parents, because there was a train that was walking distance from my school and a lot of the kids lived in the city, like in Philadelphia, which is like 40 minutes, 45 minutes away from where I live. Um, a lot of the kids would take the train into the city. 
like, that's how they got to and from school every day. And so I would take the train the other way and my parents could pick me up after sports when I couldn't take the bus at, like, the much closer train station that was, like, less than 10 minutes from our house. It was much easier that way. But, like, it's hard when your friends live, like, 30 plus minutes away from you. Um, most of my friends lived like a full 45 minutes away. My best friend, I would take the train to her house most weekends because she also lived, like my dad would drop me off or my mom would drop me off at the, um, at the train station. And then I could walk from the train station to her house or some of my other friends, like their parents would pick me up at the train station because it was like 40 minutes each way for my parents to take me or pick me up from their homes. We would sometimes meet halfway, um, And this is because I went to private school, and I would imagine it's even harder public school where the parents aren't used to doing such long drives. Like, it's the worst when you have to drive your kid, like, 45 minutes just to drop them off at their friend's house and turn around to go home. It's not, it's not good. Um, So, yeah, I still think it's kind of crazy that Kale moved so far away, but she's happy about the house. It's going to be her forever home, she hopes. She hopes. There was a cute scene of, like, Lincoln fake crying, and then she's like, you little shit, like, laughing, and people on Reddit were mad about that, but mm, I don't think it's such a big deal. Uh, She hasn't even told Joe that she's moving, (laughs) which is crazy. She said Javi was really happy for her, but she was worried about telling Joe because he was going to just look up on... uh, (laughs) Look up how much she paid for it. I thought this was funny. She's like, he's just going to look up how much I paid for it and then try and take me back for child support. <laughs> uh, also, she apparently, like, her offers accepted and then she closes on the house that week, which I thought was weird. I'm wondering if maybe um, she put in an offer, it was rejected, And then somebody else put in an offer and they went through the whole process of inspection. And then for whatever reason, that offer fell apart. And so Kale didn't have to get an inspection. So the closing could be really short. But I need answers about this process. I really need, I really need answers. Um, Yeah, that was it for Kale. Not that much happened. Uh, Let's, Leah, I honestly have nothing to say. The only thing I have to mention is the fact that Allie was in a full Gone with the Wind outfit when they picked her up from camp. I don't know why I'm laughing so hard, but it's funny. She looked crazy, but, like, it's fine because she's a kid. But I was like, wait, what is she wearing? I'm like, did the camp give that to her? Like, where did she get that? I, as somebody that's been to sleepaway camp, like, we were not given, like, costumes like that. Did Allie steal that from, like, the drama department at the camp? <laughs> it was cute that Allie had fun. She said they stayed up late to talk about girl things. Uh, she said the food was edible, which is basically exactly how I would describe camp food, that it's edible. Uh I loved, as somebody that loved, loved, loved going to camp, it's nice to see that Allie went to camp. Um, I would come home and, like, sing the camp songs forever and just be so fucking annoying. I would usually go for, well, first I went to the sleepaway camp for, like, one week, and then I went for, I think, three summers for half the summer, and then I would go to the shore for the other half of the summer. I loved going to sleepaway camp, and it's a really special experience in my heart, and I'm really glad that I did it. 
Uh, it's a very Jewish thing to go to sleepaway camp, if you didn't know. Uh, not, I wouldn't say most, not every Jewish child goes to sleepaway camp, but it's very common um, for Jewish kids who go to sleepaway camp. There's this influencer I follow who is Jewish from New York City and pretty wealthy. They have a nice apartment in the city and a house in Long Island. I don't think they're like super millionaires or anything, but they're well off. And her, she sent her eight-year-old daughter for a month this summer and everyone in her comments was like going insane. But for me, that's like very normal. Most, I didn't, I didn't start going until I was like 10. But a lot of Jewish people start going to camp for eight weeks when they're eight years old. <laughs> My mom did. Like, it's just a thing that Jewish people do. They just send their kids away for the whole summer. Um, but what was I going to say? Oh, so I'm glad Allie went and had that experience. Of course, just being with other kids of muscular dystrophy, but also just going to camp because I'm a big advocate of going to camp. It's just not affordable for most people. Like, if I have kids, I probably won't be able to afford to send them to summer camp because it's expensive. But I'm happy that Allie got to experience that. Um, And that's really all that happened. Aaliyah looks to be in LA for right now for another thing for her cult. Uh, somebody posted on Reddit that it's like an, a thousand dollar class, I think, a parenting class, a seminar for her MIT cult, M-I-T-T. I can't remember what it stands for. Uh, guys, I am concerned. Leah has already seemingly sunk thousands, possibly five figures worth of money into this cult. And Leah is quite vulnerable. So, she's Louise. She did say she finished her book, which I'm thrilled about. I can't wait to have dear friend of the pod, Jess, uh, read that and then come on the book and tell us what happened. Come on the book. Come on the podcast and tell us what happens in the book. This is a mess, guys. I'm a mess today. I feel like this episode is just just to see, you know? Sometimes I feel like I give out an A episode. I feel like usually my episodes are like B to B plus, and I feel like this is kind of a C. But you know what? I have C weeks in life sometimes, don't you? <laughs> All right, Chelsea, I want to discuss something. So Chelsea, the stroller that Chelsea's using, I can't remember what the name of it is, Duna maybe, and it's an expensive stroller. It's over $500. I know this because my best friend and I were looking at it and she wanted to buy it. But did not buy it because you can really only use it for when the baby is, like, one years old. And it costs more than, like, most stroller car seat sets that you can keep the baby in until they're, like, three or whatever. So she didn't buy it. But the reason she wanted to buy it is because it's, like, a car seat and a stroller in one. And you don't have to, like, pop out the base and put it in the stroller, etc. So that's what Chelsea has. They're, like, super convenient and cool all about it. But... She doesn't seem to lift the handle all the way up on it. Um, Have you guys noticed that she is always, like, in full hunchback position pushing in the stroller? Like, she looks like she's pushing, like, a child's baby stroller. She looks crazy. And I don't think Chelsea is that tall. Like, I think Chelsea is maybe, like, 5'3". And I've seen a woman who's, like, my height, so she's, like, 5'1", pushing one because... My friend and I, my friend was like, oh, I w-, it was when she was pregnant and she was talking to her about how she wanted that stroller. And this, the handle was at her regular height. She was not hunched over in any way. <laughs> so I'm not quite sure uh, what is going on with Chelsea's stroller and why she looks so crazy pushing it. 
I also don't understand why Chelsea is bringing Lane to these meetings if Cole's at home with Watson. I understand that she is breastfeeding Lane, but Lane is literally a year old in these, so I highly doubt she's being exclusively breastfed to the point that she can't leave her home without Lane. Uh, you know, by that point, they're also eating foods. And while, yes, they do breastfeed, they're not only being breastfed. They eat food and they don't need to be fed every hour and a half by, like, you don't have to nurse them so often. So I don't quite understand, like, if you have a business meeting and your husband has taken the day off work, why you would not just leave the baby because I doubt the meeting is more than an hour. (laughs) Also, like, I like how they're talking about how overwhelmed Chelsea is, like, with this job. And it's like, give me a fucking break. It's not a job. She's not doing anything. She's going, I love plaid. (laughs) Oh, my God. This is perfect. I wouldn't change a thing about this. That's, like, her job. It's her entire job, which, like, you know what? Good for you, Chelsea. You're getting out of your house. You're doing something. But, like, what is stressful about this? Uh, Lori Bell says we're literally starting from scratch, and it's, like, it's a fucking flannel shirt. (laughs) Oh, my God. Chelsea's like, I'm so nervous. I want to buy these. Except you already just had your ultra successful, supposedly, it's ritzy sale, so why are you nervous? I don't know. I also want to say that this episode is another check in uh, Liz's let's all pay attention to the fact that Cole is going to quit his job because another episode, he just happens at two episodes in a row not to be at work. I wonder if he's already quit his job and they just didn't want to say it on the show. Hmm, hmm, hmm. We get a cute scene of them taking pictures of Lane for her first birthday, and she eats a cake, and then Pete the pig comes and eat the, eats the cake. It's very cute. That was really cute. That made me like, oh, I love Pete the pig. Chelsea Grace was there, but that's really it. Um, I don't care. I think Chelsea's getting a lot of pushback now from this clothing line thing, like from fans that I've noticed and they're calling it annoying. And I think that Chelsea has always had um, like a relatability factor in a way. And I think that people are not liking this thing that she's doing, if you will. They're not liking that she's making these clothes because I think it's like very unrelatable and it's like the clothes are kind of stupid. They're not ugly. They're just like... People know that you can get this shit at Target or Old Navy. Like, they have eyes and they shop. So they know that it's really overpriced. They don't, like, all this buildup that we're supposed to think, like, Chelsea's flannels are edgy or unique in any way. I think people are being like, what? This Like, even fans of Chelsea are being like, this is stupid. And I think that they're not here for um, celebrating Chelsea for all her hard work when it's very obvious that she's not doing hard work. I think that when Chelsea is just, like, at home with Cole and being cute with Cole and being cute with her kids and being a good mom, people really like her and find that relatable. And I think that this clothing line thing is just so weird and obviously not hard work and very – it's just so not relatable because it's not an opportunity that almost anybody watching this show would have. And I think it's – people are being like, okay, Chelsea, like, why would I be proud of Chelsea for this? And I like to see that. I like to see it. All right, let's hit up Jade. So, 
Jade is going, like, she gets off work and she's going back to her house to get uh, her sister and Chloe so they can go run some errands. And she gets there and Christy's there. And she's like, what the fuck? Uh, I guess Christy and her husband, who is Jade's stepfather, but she calls him dad, just showed up. She doesn't even know why they're there. And she's pissed. She's like, why are you here? Like, just don't pop up to my house. Like, just don't come here. And Christy kind of ignores her. And then she's like, okay, how about I take Chloe overnight? And she's like, no. Um, And Christy keeps pushing and pushing that she's going to get Chloe overnight, that she's going to get Chloe overnight. And Jade basically keeps saying like, no, 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 you can't have Jade overnight. Or no, you can't have Chloe overnight. Which, good choice, Jade. Um, Christy seems agitated. And (sighs) here's what I think. I think that Jade is, in a way, I think obviously it's the unreliability factor where Chrissy promises to take her and then doesn't even show up or disappears with her for a day, like two episodes ago or whenever that was. Like, not discounting why Jade is saying no. I think she's absolutely justified. It makes total sense. I do think, though, that Jade, in a way, is jealous of how Chrissy is acting with Chloe because Jade keeps saying like I don't even have my mom but like you want to watch my kid like I need my mom I need my mom I think that she does not like and I don't think this is conscious and I also think that this is like kind of classic adult child of alcoholic behavior um it's irrational thinking but irrational irrational might not be the word for it But it's thinking that I think if called out on, she would say that's not true, but her behavior says otherwise. I think that she, her entire life, has longed for support, attention, affection, and love from her mom. Like, literally any child does. And I think that her seeing her mom give that attention, affection, support, and love to Chloe, although unreliably, but she is doing it, and like her mom having an interest to be there and be present in Chloe's life, but seemingly not really have an interest to be there and be present in Jade's life, like, really upsets her. And I think that that's probably real for a lot of people who grew up with parents that were shitty, who then kind of turn it around when they have grandchildren. Although, clearly Jade hasn't turned, or Chrissy hasn't turned it around. And I do think, of course, like, the over- The main reason that Jade isn't going to let Chrissy show up or take Chloe is because she's unreliable. But I do think that there is a big jealousy factor. And Jade has not gotten to a point yet. And I know I talked about this last week. And I think it'll be interesting to see, like, in 10 years where Jade is with Chrissy. But Jade has not gotten to a point yet where she has just kind of accepted Chrissy for who she is. And either cut off contact or, like, put up a lot of boundaries um, she's still, like, very enmeshed in Chrissy's bullshit. And because she's so deep in it, because she's still kind of desperate for Chrissy to change her way and be her mom and be her support. And I think that, like, Jade is basically begging Chrissy to be there for her and show up for her and love her and support her. And she's not getting that and I think that she feels angry and jealous that Christy would be doing that for Chloe even though like I'm sure she also wants 
Christy to do it for Chloe because that's Chloe's grandma and she wants Christy to be there for her grandchild. So I would imagine it's like really conflicting feelings. So Jade's mom gets arrested. She gets a call while she's driving and Jade's mom, Christy, is crying. Bail me out. Bail me out. You need to bail me out. And Jade says no. Basically, it would be $500 and it would just, she's like, I just don't have that money. Like, I just paid rent. And I don't blame her. Like, yeah, she's on the show. Yeah, she's getting Instagram money. But it is possible that she doesn't just have 500 spare cash, you know, laying around that exact day. And anyway, even if she did, she shouldn't bail Chrissy out of jail. Uh, she calls her grandma. Her grandma's like, what did she even do? And Jade's like, honestly, I don't even know. It was a short free call. I have no idea. So she goes to get her nails done. And we need to talk about that accent and, like, the cadence Jade was speaking with. (laughs) She went and saw her friend, and her friend did her nails, and all of a sudden, Jade had a strong, what I would call, black scent. Like, she's like, girl, oh, you know, you know how it is, girl. Oh, girl, it's crazy. Like, speaking in a way that she does not speak in any other time, like, way worse than Kayla's. I was like, what the fuck is Jade doing? It was out of nowhere. It was weird. Her friend wasn't even black, so it was just bizarre. Like, she, I guess she was mimicking the way her friend was speaking. Her friend was speaking that way. It was not great, but the funniest thing happens. Jade's like, oh, my aunt's calling. She has information. She puts her aunt on speakerphone in the middle of the salon. I mean, they're filming, so they're obviously already being, like, obvious and spotlighted, but her aunt's, like, screaming, like, yelling into the phone, like, they got arrested for theft and possession of weed and possession of methamphetamine. And Jade's like, shh, 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 we're in a nail salon, shh. <laughs> it was just such a funny scene. I mean, it's sad because Christy's doing meth and Christy's been around the baby. <laughs> uh, basically, the way that her aunt found it out, I wonder if online it's harder to find charges in Indiana. I haven't tried but she called the bail bon- the bail bondsman, like pretending like she was gonna bail uh, Christy out, and the bondsman was able to give her the information on the charges. But they're not great. I guess the husband is locked up with her too. Jade is upset, but I think this is like you know not her first time at the rodeo. I actually, in a way, think that this will be better for Jade. I think that. At this point in her life where Chrissy's, like, coming in and out, popping up sometimes and disappearing for days, I think her being in jail might be better because Jade knows where she is. She doesn't have to stress about her. She doesn't have to worry about her just showing up or not being reliable. I don't know. I, like, a parent getting arrested for fucking meth possession. Thank you, Jesus. Thank God for the Jade joining Team Mom, too. So good. She's so good. It was such a good moment. Oh, chef kiss. Perfect. Okay, let me quickly talk about Team Mom Young and Pregnant. Uh, I guess this week's episode is short. It's funny. Last week, I was like, this episode's gonna be so short. I'm in so much pain. And I think that episode was like an hour and a half, which is actually one of my longer solo episodes. <laughs> and this week, I'm not really in pain, but there's just not as much to talk about this week. Uh, what was I going to say? Team mom, young and pregnant. So I thought, I find the dynamic with Kaya, her girlfriend, whose name I just cannot get in my head for some reason. Her mom is Tiffany. Her name is Kaya. And this girlfriend's name is Tezea. Teza? I don't know how she's pronouncing it. 
and I was not paying close enough attention this week, but by next week, I will 100% know her girlfriend's name. Uh, basically, we find out some more dynamic of that. How old are they, guys? They're young, right? Are they 18 or are they 16? Um, basically, her girlfriend, Tezza, I'm calling her Tezza right now, even though I don't think that's her name, and it's kind of rude to call someone a name that's not their name, but that's what I'm calling her right now. But, or Tezaya, maybe her name is? I don't know. I'll, I swear this will be figured out by next week. But basically, she is from a home that's not so loving. Her mom and her fight all the time. And, you know, their relationship really hasn't been very good. And since moving in with Kaya, it's gotten really bad. I actually found her girlfriend to be very endearing. She is, seems to be really nice and such a soft soul. She looks so young. It's startling to me how young she looks in every episode. Part of that I know is me being 31 and not 18 watching these shows or how how old was I when this show started? Probably 21 because it's been on for 10 years. Um, I do get that to an extent but like oh my god she looks like a little baby that I could like rock in my arms. She's that young and I think their relationship seems okay so far but of course we will see. I did find it interesting at the end they went to her mom's house and her mom basically was like, I was really bad when she came out. I told her I didn't want her to be gay and I really hurt her feelings and I feel, I am sorry for that and I don't feel that way and I should not judge her for being gay. I thought that was really good. It was important to say on camera. I hope she actually says that to her daughter. I thought she had some good points about this baby. Apparently a big issue is that the mom does not want Tazea um, raising Kaya's baby. Uh, I agree with her. <laughs> I felt this way about Danae. I remember Princess and I talking about it last season with Danae and Danae's mom. And Danae's mom being like, you need to stop getting involved with women that have children right now. And I agree. I agree with uh, Tazay's mom that they are so young and that baby is not Tazaya's. And she is not going to be on the birth certificate. And she's not going to have any rights to this baby. And I personally have a big apprehension to anybody, but especially children, uh, getting very involved with a newborn child that is not theirs. And bonding with that child and loving that child and having absolutely no rights and no ability to fight in court like when that parent when the mom or dad I guess it could be a dad situation decides that they no longer want to be with you and they want to take that baby away from you it's like you are totally at the whim of another person involving like a baby that you will grow to love and care for and invest so much time energy money love everything into this baby but you don't actually have any legal rights to this baby especially when you're a teenager and you're already in an on and off again situation with this girl the mom said something like well what's she gonna do when Kaya like meets some guy and wants Kaya to be the dad to the baby and I was like well yeah what is she gonna do like do I think that will happen I don't know because we don't really know these girls at all yet do I think it could happen like yeah very much so because they're so young and we saw it happen with Danae and Bray. Now, Danae needed to be removed from Brayson's life because Danae's going by Milo now. So I should call him Milo. So Milo needed to be removed from uh, 
Brayson's life because he was very abusive towards Bray. Uh, but we saw how quickly that was. And all of a sudden he's just like out, you know, he's cut out of this baby's life that he luckily for everybody involved, it was only like a month or two that he was involved. But what if it's two years, three years? And then it's just like, okay, bye. I actually, um, there's this YouTube couple and their name is Damo. Her name is like Dominique, but she goes by Damo and Chrissy. I don't like them, but I watch and follow them kind of loosely. I check in every once in a while. And Damo and Chrissy are lesbians and they were together and Damo got pregnant via a sperm donor. They're really young, like in their early 20s. But Damo is basically like, I'm having a baby and you can either come or you don't. And there's a ton of money on the line that they're already making from YouTube. So Chrissy kind of was like, okay, let's go for it. They have a baby. Damo has the baby. And Chrissy becomes this baby's, like, 100% primary caregiver. Chrissy went through a little bit of depression, so the baby didn't get the best care in the world. But eventually, they're, like, super bonded, in love. Chrissy is this baby's mom. The baby, whose name is Dominic, they're calling him Wick. So baby Wick is, like, in love with Chrissy. That's mom. Chrissy's really, truly the main provider. Damo and Chrissy breaks up. Chrissy immediately gets a new girlfriend. Damo gets mad, and Chrissy is... Basically completely removed from uh, Wick's life when he's like 18 months old, maybe even younger. Um, Even though she had been this baby's primary caregiver when they broke up, it was like, no, 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 we're going to support each other. We're going to 50-50 co-parent. It doesn't matter what the papers say. Uh, Chrissy never legally adopted the baby because in the state they're living in Arizona, they were not legally allowed to put her name on the birth certificate. They would have had to do an adoption, which I believe would involve marriage even when they broke up, she didn't have any rights to the baby. I think some people online were saying there were, like, some avenues she could go, but they seemed really unrealistic, and it's still very hard out here when you are an unmarried same-sex couple. Um, There is not in many states a presumption of you being the second parent if you are not married, because you're not biologically related and you're not a legal family unit. So Chrissy was basically just, like, completely removed from this baby's life, and it was devastating to her, and she has nothing that she can do about it. And it was essentially because she got a new girlfriend, and Dama wasn't pleased, and the baby suffers, Chrissy suffers, Dama's a fucking maniac, so who knows if she's suffering. But, like, seeing that was just such a reminder that putting yourself in a position where you are the, the main caretaker or even if not the main character, but like a parent in a child's life and you have no legal rights to them is really risky. It's really risky for everybody. And if that was my child, I would probably feel the same way. Like, why are you, especially a teenager, especially a teenager, I cannot see myself being supportive if my teenager decided to take on the second parent role, either that being the second mom or the dad because the girlfriend maybe went out and cheated and got pregnant. But a second non-biological parent role as a teenager, I just cannot imagine encouraging that for my child. Uh, I don't think I would cut my child off over it. But like, talk about a fucking nightmare. Like, you didn't, (laughs) 
you didn't make this mistake. Like, you were not part of this mistake. Like, your life does not have to be tied down with a baby that you don't even have any rights to. That would be really, really hard for me to sit back and watch and sit back and be okay with. Like, really hard. Do I think it's lucky, a lucky break for Kaya that her girlfriend wants to be involved so there'll be a second parent? Like, yeah, absolutely. Kaya really is sitting in the best position. Uh, Teza's... I don't know. I wouldn't, if I was a parent, not saying that her mom is making any of the right choices because her mom was off, apparently, by her own admission, awful and homophobic. When Tessa came out, it seems like they have a long history of not having a good relationship. But I'm just saying, like, as a parent, I think that would be a situation in which I was horrified, horrified and to find out my child was willingly becoming a teen parent that they were not biologically, like, indebted to. Whew, that would be tough. Okay, Rachel. Rachel pulled her baby out, a la Kourtney Kardashian. We've seen Kourtney do it three times, but it's still cool. Uh, there was a huge fight that I could not follow along because Rachel's mom wanted her to, like, make sure that Drew was coming to the hospital, Drew being the the presumed biological father, not, what's her boyfriend's name? Jake, Jacob. Um, Rachel really doesn't want him there. Then Mal, the sister, got involved and started screaming at the mom. They're having this huge blowout fight. And I was like, oh, this family is white trash. Like, watching a family scream, a, a family of former drug addicts, of pregnant teens, scream at each other in a trailer is MTV like a gift from the gods with Rachel. Apparently, in this scene for next week, she's saying she doesn't want to get a paternity test. <laughs> love, love, love it. Uh, glad that the baby is here. Is the baby pronounced Hazley? It's H-A-Z-E-L-E-E, right? Yeah, it's Hazley. So, that's great. Speaking of paternity tests, Brie has Bryson take a paternity test for the new guy. Now, uh... An Instagram page that then got posted to Reddit posted a picture of one of Bree's high school boyfriends, a guy named, I, is his name Miles too? Didn't I just say that's what uh, Tanae had changed? No, he became Milo. I can't know. Now I'm mixing up names. But there is a high school boyfriend of Bree's that a teen mom Instagram page, like fan page, gossip page posted um, being like, this is Brayson's dad. It's Bree's ex-boyfriend, and the guy looks just like Brayson. <laughs> but to be fair, he also kind of looks like Bree because Bree and Brayson look alike. Basically, they just have like dark features, but he has really big ears like Brayson does. Um, and everyone was like, oh, well, obviously this is the dad. Now, the reason that I didn't post it on Feather's Pod is because nothing had been confirmed or anything. And like, this guy's a teenager and it just seemed kind of wrong to post him. And let, you know what I mean? Like, if he's not on the show, Brie hasn't said anything about his name, etc. I was like, I'll just hold off and see what happens. But like, in my head, I was like, oh yeah, that's definitely Brayson's dad. Now, Brie, like, put a screenshot of that on her Insta story and was like, this is not Brayson's dad. <laughs> She's like, try again, not his dad. And people are like, it's not Maury, like, it's not a game show, but Brie isn't the one that said, like, this is his father, got a paternity test, and then it wasn't a match. You know what I mean? Like, a fucking Instagram page came up with it, and this is why I'm hesitant to just post stuff from, like, uh, Team Mom Shade Room or whatever, the Team Mom Updates, whatever the Instagram account was, even though they get interesting stuff, um, I'm hesitant to just post stuff 
about it because there's no proof and it just feels kind of icky to post someone's picture that may not have literally anything to do with the TV show. So basically there's this guy and he takes a paternity test and we will find out the results next week. I do hope that he is Bryson's dad. I think that that would be good and I think it's obvious that this kid who if this guy is the dad, he is going to come on the show. The new girlfriend's going to come on the show. The new baby's going to come on the show. Like, that was a recorded conversation with the intent of putting him on the show if he's the dad, I'm assuming. Uh, because if I was the dad, I wasn't interested in being on the show. I might not reach out. And if I did, I'd be like, I don't, you can't use my voice. Like, don't do anything. Please don't put me on TV. So I'm assuming that's most likely Brayson's dad, and I'm looking forward to finding out who it is. I'm sure the reason that it hasn't been posted on social media by Bray is because MTV told her she's not allowed to. Okay, who is left? Ashley. So Ashley, I, guys, like, watching Ashley and Barr, it is kind of sad because Barr is somebody that is... As Princess and I discussed, like, Barr is probably never, ever, ever going to get it together, ever. He's like, well, I'm working, you know, I'm trying to get a job that makes steady money. And it's like, so get a fucking job. Like, go to Wendy's and get a job. (laughs) But he gets Instagram money and he gets teen mom money. So he truly has no motivation to do shit. And Ashley, I think, is just going to be dragged through life with Barr because he's her best friend and she genuinely loves him. And she's just never going to be able to let him go. Poor Pastor T just like watching it go by. Ugh. So who's la- Who's the last girl? Oh, Kayla. Kayla tells her mom she's pregnant and her mom is actually quite supportive, which I don't know. I guess at this point, like she already has Isaiah. She's not going to get an abortion. They like Luke. Luke is in the picture. Like, what are you going to do? Be like, go fuck yourself. Get out of my house. You can't come around. Like, No. Kayla is supporting herself. If she wants to have another baby, I guess the only thing to do is support, right? As I said last week, I think that Kayla should have considered abortion. I think that she's a perfect candidate for it. Uh, Most women who get abortions, fun fact, are already mothers. But she didn't. And I think if I was Jamie in that position, I might be upset initially. But then, I mean, the baby's coming, you know, the baby's coming whether you like it or not. Kayla's having this baby. At least it's not with Stefan. (laughs) Her and Luke are still together and still seem happy. And I really do. Like, I really do genuinely hope it works out with Kayla and Luke. I got a lot of information about basketball. Probably too much information about basketball. (laughs) But I appreciate everyone who reached out. And that's it. It was actually kind of a slow episode of Team Mom Young and Pregnant. But I still liked watching it. I really want to know who Brayson's dad is. I think that's, like, my main. And I really want to know who Hazley's dad is. I really want to see more Mallory being fucking wild. I think Mallory should be on this show full time. Maybe Rachel's family should have their own show, is what I'm saying. I think that there is enough there that we could follow the mom who's the recovering addict. We could follow the drunk sister. By the way, the sister posted the funniest shit on Twitter that was like, I see everyone saying I'm doing drugs, but I've never done drugs in my life. I have an alcohol problem. (laughs) Which is like, okay, girl. (laughs) She says she's sober now and doing much better. And she posts a lot with her daughter. So, you know, hopefully that's true. But I just thought it was so funny because it was like, don't you dare say I do drugs. I'm a fucking blackout drinker, not a drug addict. (laughs) 
so funny. Anyway, that's it, guys. I love you very much. I will talk to you next week. Bye. This has been an episode of Feathers in My Hair, an Emotionally Broken Psycho's Patreon exclusive. Executive producers Molly McAleer and Liz Bentley. Produced by Nicole Matthews. Special thanks to Sarah DiGiovanna for our logo. Head on over to our Patreon page for more rewards. www.patreon.com slash ebpsychos.